If you want to hold your Bibles to 1 Timothy, chapter 1, verse 15, that is the third one. Our theme this morning is Jesus saves his people. Jesus saves sinners. Father, we once again turn to you in prayer and ask for the ministry of the Spirit of God upon our minds and hearts that we would receive the word of the Lord. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here to be our master teacher, to reveal to us Jesus afresh and anew, to convict us of sin, to convict us that our righteousness is no good, to convict us that judgment is coming, to convict us of the all-sufficiency of what Jesus did at the cross, to convict us, Father, of the deadliness of sin. And for this we pray and give thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. He shall save his people from their sin. He shall take away our sins. And he came to save sinners. A brother of long ago said, the nature of Christ's salvation is woefully rep- misrepresented, woefully misrepresented, I still can't say it, woefully misrepresented, or something like that, <laughs> by present-day evangelists who announces a Savior from hell, but not a Savior from sin. So many people are deceived. There are multitudes who want to escape the lake of fire. But they have no interest in parting with their sin. Jesus came to save sinners from their sin. But what's the problem with sin? Why make a big deal about sin? Well, surely we know that sin has left every human being under the just and holy wrath of God. We could go, first of all, to all of the bad things that sin does, but the the baddest of the bad has left us under the wrath of God. But the world is full of tears, pain, anxiety, discord, unrest, fear, worry, sickness, death, famine, earthquakes, pollution... Hate, fighting, divorce, wars, all manner of lust, greed, selfishness, and much more because of sin. Every person comes into this world as a sinner. Comes into this world with their relationship with God broken. We are dead in sin. And move among human relationships where our tendency, our natural tendency is because of our sin to move in strife and greed and selfishness and lust and bitterness or hate. Have I ever faced, have I ever faced up to my sin? Have I ever faced up to my sin problem? One of the things that hinders is we like to blame shift. Well, I don't have a problem. She has a problem. I don't have a problem. He has a problem. 
Where are you, Adam? Oh, that woman you gave me. Started there, and we hadn't changed since. Have I faced up to the power and deadliness of sin? Brings chaos worldwide. Affects us all. A brother by the name of Thomas Guthrie, many years ago, put together a statement about sin, and this is what he said. Who is the painted temperest that steals our virtue? Who is the murderess that destroys our life? Who is the sorceress that first deceives and then damns our soul? Sin. Who with icy breath blights the fair blossoms of youth? Who breaks the hearts of parents? Who brings old men with gray hairs to sorrow to their grave? Sin. Who casts the apple of discord on the household hearts? Who lights the torch of war and bears its blazing over trembling lands? Sin. Who is this Delilah that sings the Nazarite asleep and then delivers up the strength of God into the hands of the uncircumcised? Sin. Who smiles to deceive, sings to lure, kisses to betray, flings her arms around our neck to leap us with her to perdition? Sin. Who turns a soft and gentlest heart to stone? Who hurls reason from her lofty throne and impels sinners mad as a gathering swine down the precipice into the lake of fire? Sin. These things being so, why do we love sin? These things being so, why do we laugh at sin? Do you not realize that the comedians of the world, most of their jokes are about sin? And if you listen to it, you'll be laughing too. And I will too. Why do we joke about others who have been slain by sin? God does not laugh at sin. God sent his son To pay the sin debt of sinners. But what is sin? Well, you have your definition and I have mine. Okay, but that doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is what's God's. And there's a number of things said in the Bible, but the clearest and the most concise statement is in 1 John 3, 4. Sin is the transgression of the law. It's breaking God's law. It's violating God's law. Lawlessness is sin. Sin is lawlessness. And God's law, according to Romans 7, 12, is holy, just, and good. And we could look at many scriptures and find different definitions and different terms again, but the simplest definition is that sin is a violation of God's law. 
what does sin do to humans? It defiles. It's not only a transgression of God's law, it pollutes, it defiles. In 1 Kings 8, 38, the sin of man's heart is compared to oozing sores of a deadly plague. Now, I don't want to make you sick at your stomach, but we could dwell there. We could put some pictures up and have your stomach turning if you looked at the oozing sores from a deadly plague. That's what sin does. Zechariah 3, 3, sin is compared to filthy garments. Sin is defiling. Sin is polluting. Sin is staining. Sin is an expression of rebellion. It's an attitude that says to God, I'll do what I will do and I don't care what you say. And that's where many people are. I don't even believe there's a God. And I don't care what he says if there is a God. I'm going to do what I want to do. Jeremiah 44, 17. We will certainly do whatsoever thing goes forth out of our mouth. Sin is ingratitude. Here we are, every one of us, we're the recipient of God's blessings. God causes Matthew 5, 47, 45 Says, uh, Matthew five forty five says that he makes the sun to rise on the evil and on the good. He makes the rain to fall on the just and on the unjust. doesn't matter who you are. You have been the recipient of many manifold blessings of God. And he is a giver of every good and perfect gift. In gratitude. That's what sin's all about. Sin defiles us. Sin is rebellion. Sin is full of ingratitude. And sin is incurable. Jeremiah thirteen twenty three, the prophet said, Can the Ethiopian change his skin or the leopard his spots? That's what is known as a rhetorical question. And the clear answer is, no, they can't. Isaiah 1, 5, Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, loaded with it, a seed of the evildoers. Sin is the incurable leprosy of the soul. Cannot be legislated out. Cannot be philosophized out. Cannot be psychologized out. Cannot be wished out. Cannot be pushed out by self-effort. Cannot be cured by religion. Cannot be cured by merely attending church or doing good deeds or teaching or preaching. None of of this can free us from sin or from sin's power. Only Jesus can. Jesus came to pay the sin debt. Jesus came. You shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. When Jesus comes on the scene, he doesn't leave you in your sin and just merely change your destiny. If you have hope of your destiny, if you have hope that your destiny has been changed from hell to heaven, then you are also experiencing his saving work, saving you from the power and dominion of sin. He came into the world to save sinners. There's no other way. There's no other cure. 
We need to be reminded that sin is hated by God. There's only one thing that alienates a person from God, and that's sin. Our sin separates us from God. Sin is rebellion. Because God is the opposite. God is holy, holy, holy. He is altogether holy. He's always holy. And the sinner is sinful, all sinful, only sinful, altogether sinful, always sinful. And so the only way that we can have fellowship with holy God is to have our sin eliminated. Sin's penalty must be paid. Well, so I'm, I'm going to try to pay for my sin. And I'm going to go through religious rituals and routines to pay for my sin. And people sincerely do this all over the world. But Jesus came and actually did it. And he did it in a fashion where he did it once and for all. The Bible emphasizes that in the book of Hebrews over and over again. When he was on the cross, when he got through paying the sin debt, he said, it is finished. He's never had to go back to the cross. He's not on the cross. He's not in hell suffering. Sin defiles. Sin is rebellion. Sin is ingratitude. Sin is incurably wrapped around us. Sin is hated by God. We sometimes don't think about this, but sin is hard work. Do you know that sin is hard work? You ever notice how easy it is for us to lie? I don't hear people talking about sin being hard work. You know what I hear people saying? You set forth the will of God. You set forth the way of God. Here's scripture says, here's what you're to do. Here's the path you go. That's too hard. I can't do that. I can't forgive. That's too hard. Forgiveness is hard. Loving is hard. Where do we get those lies? The Bible doesn't teach that. He said, what are you? Are you not real or something? Don't you realize there's a war going on when you come to have to forgive and, and to love? Uh, maybe you're not around the people I'm around. I assure you that with the exception of one, I am. We've had our times in 50 plus years and we've had to learn how to love and how to forgive. Here's a master key. Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And the Bible says, the way of the transgressor is hard. That's what's hard. And sin is hard work. In Jeremiah Jeremiah 9 verse 5, the Bible says, They weary themselves committing iniquity. Psalm 4, 17. I'm going to have to have my eyes checked. Read it backwards. Psalm 7, 14. Behold, he 
travails in pain with iniquity. Ezekiel 24, 12, she has, speaking of Jerusalem, she has wearied herself with sin. And again, in Proverbs 13, 15, the way of the transgressor is hard. There's an amazing picture of this of the hardness and the bondage and the slavery of sin. You go to Genesis chapter 19 and the Sodomites have come to Sodom and they've come to the household of Lot and they have a particular interest because there are two beautiful angelic beings that have come to Lot's house and when the Sodomites saw them, they wanted to have them for themselves to carry out their uh, perversion. They wanted to molest them. You remember what happened? God struck them with blindness. Now, if you're going down some path, and you know it's wrong, but you're bound and determined to go, and all of a sudden, you're blind. Don't you think that gets your attention? You know what these sodomites did? They didn't fall on the ground and crawl around. They didn't run out crying for mercy. They tried all the more. They beat on the door trying to get in the house so they could carry out their sin. They were slaves to their lust. They were driven by their lust. Their lust demanded to be fed. Their addiction demanded to be fed. Oh, you don't have to go back to Genesis 19 to understand that. Have you been there? You might be there this morning. You have a lust. You have an addiction. You have a habit. It's contrary to God. And you never intended for it to wrap around you. I've shared many times before the supposed carnival act where this famous and successful person of the carnival did three things. He had a huge elephant. He'd lie down on the ground, let that elephant put his big foot on his chest, and at the right command, the elephant would lift it up. He had a lion that he had raised from a young thing and he'd go in the arena with the lion have the lion to open wide his mouth and stick his head inside the mouth and that command the lion would back away and not hurt him in any way and he had a python from a little thing and he'd done this many many times you get this giant python and let him wrap all around him. And at command, the python would let him go. But on this occasion, when he commanded him to let him go, he tightened his grip. And you may be here, I'll quit tomorrow. I'll repent tomorrow. I'll deal with my sin tomorrow. I can handle it. Samson was like that. 
I'm going to go out as usual in the power and strength of the, of the Lord. And they did not know that he crossed the line. And he was crushed and destroyed by sin. Are you being crushed and destroyed by sin? It's all hidden. No one knows about it, but you know about it. You look in the mirror, you're horrified, and, but you're ashamed to own up. You're ashamed to seek help. Sin is a horrible master. How tragic to live under the grinding, blinding, binding slavery of sin. That's Samson. They blinded his eyes. They hooked him up to this grind mill and we had to walk in circles grinding the wheat or grain. And he was bound. Are you being described? Living under the load of the grinding, binding, blinding, slavery, slavery of sin. You, you're driven and enslaved by lust or anger or bitterness or greed or, lut, or gluttony or selfishness or pride. Some addictive habit. This is the power of sin. And we treat lightly that God would be against it. We have make well, why is God always against all the things I like? Ha ha ha. There's nothing funny about sin. How many people does it affect? Romans three twenty three, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous. No, not one. We are all affected. Even the Christian, you're no longer under the Slavery of sin, but you still sin. You are a saint who sometimes sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. What are the results of sin? Jeremiah seventeen nine: The heart of man is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. In Ephesians 4, we learn that the mind is dark and the mind is alienated from the life of God. And God is absent. In 1 Corinthians 2, we learn that the lost man cannot see or understand the things of God. Sin so dominates the mind that it thinks evil. It plans evil. It conceives evil. And one day it carries out evil. And before you know it, and unsuspectingly, is a slave. The person is a slave. Oh, I'm free. I want to do what I want to. When I want to and how I want to. No one's going to tell me what to do. There are people in prisons. There are people who have died. There are people who are just in utter bondage. That's what they said. The only free person is the person who's had his sin covered with the blood of Jesus. The lost sinner is not free. He's under the dominion of sin. He's under the control of Satan. 
The sinner walks in his daily conduct according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that works in the children of disobedience. With sin comes satanic bondage, control. Only the Son can set you free. But as I've said earlier, the, the, no matter what you say, the, of all the horrible results of sin, nothing is greater than the fact that sin makes us objects of God's wrath. It is sin that has brought about condemnation and that sends people to hell. Ephesians 2, 3 speaks of these believers who before they were saved were children of wrath even as others. What is God saying to us this morning? Sin brings about the worst things in life. But the final result is sin damns people to hell. Revelation 20 tells us about the great white throne judgment and the Lord shall gather together all the unbelieving and cast them into the lake of fire. Spurgeon, C.H. Spurgeon, many years ago made a quote that's not cute. It's very serious. And it's very real. Man is hanging over the mouth of hell by a solitary plank and the plank is rotten. Only the mercy of God that keeps the lost sinner out of hell one second longer. The beauty of Christ, he came to save sinners. This is a faithful saying, worthy of all acceptation. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I'm chief, Paul said. That's what he came for. That's what Jesus came for. To save sinners. Are you a sinner? Have you never been saved? You're on a rotten plank, one heartbeat away from an eternity in hell. Flee to Christ. Are there not those who need to flee to Christ this morning? Oh God, I'm a sinner. Be merciful to me, a sinner. Save me, forgive me, hear the keys of my heart including the keys to all the closets, all the hidden bondages. Again, this is a faithful saying, worthy of all acceptation, Jesus Christ came to save sinners. And if you're in Christ this morning, you're saying, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, for your salvation. We're going to sing hymn number 342, Rock of Ages. If you're here and you have never come to faith in Christ, you, you have intellectual belief, you, you, you know much about who he is, but you are still in bondage to your sin. You're still a slave to sin. You've never cried out, oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Right where we're standing, right where we're singing. You do business with God. And you be like my friend of long years ago, as he sat in his chair in his living room, 
and had opened himself to having to receive a gospel presentation. And just right on the spot, he wanted to pray with no pushing or suggestions for me. He wanted to pray and repent of his sins and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and invite Christ to be the Savior and Lord of his life. And he prayed. I can't see his heart. So I said, Faye, that's what they call him. You want to tell anybody? I sure do. And all 500 pounds of him got up and walked into the kitchen to tell his mother and father that he'd come to Christ. Faye, what about coming to church tonight? I'll be there. He had earlier said he would have to shave, didn't have clothes. But now that he's found forgiveness of his sin, now that he has come to Jesus Christ and found him to be his savior from his sin, he wanted to please Jesus. He wanted to honor Jesus. Oh, a few nights later, would you like to give a testimony? I sure would. He didn't have any experience in this. But he had Jesus in his heart, like the woman at the well. Come see a man who told me all I ever did. So he stood up and said, this has been the most wonderfulest week of my life. And he lived six months of wonderfulest living, of loving Jesus and being grateful. I never saw this, but he, there was a family in the church that had a record player. It was that age. Records. And they had some group singing Amazing Grace. And he'd stop by there on a regular basis and he'd say, would y'all put on Amazing Grace? He'd just sit there and weep. Tears of gratitude. Because he had experienced an encounter with Jesus who came to save from sin. Hallelujah, what a savior. Oh, Father, work in every heart according to your spirit, according to your great love and mercies. Encourage the saints to be freshly amazed and full of joy for so great salvation. Salvation from that deadly enemy, sin, rebellion, wickedness, being under the just and holy wrath of God, being saved because of the mercies of that same God who sent his son, who paid our sin debt at Calvary. May this be a day of rejoicing in Christ. May this be a day when some who are outside of faith in Christ Openly confess, Lord Jesus, I'm coming home. I'm coming to the foot of the cross. I, I've tried many ways and I've gone down many roads and they're all dead ends. And Lord Jesus, like that publican of old, oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner. We bless you, Father, that you answer that prayer. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.